And now, it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Witness Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Muniak. This is the show that doesn't care about ratings, which is why we have our special guest today. Uh, that's just a joke, ladies and gentlemen. But we are a show that the sole purpose is to save souls on purpose. So this show is about evangelism and discipleship. And today we have a very special guest, uh, a great friend of mine, Andrew Rappaport. I'm sorry, Pastor Andrew Rappaport of Striving for Eternity Ministries. Pastor Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks. Oh, hold on. I got to get my makeup. Well, I do have a great face for radio. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm always being serious. I know. <laughs> That's quite all right. And ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't caught it already, uh, he has a New Jersey accent and a New Jersey sense of humor to go with it. So, what I, do you mean I, accent? I beg your forgiveness. You're right the one now. that sounds funny. <laughs> all right. So, Andrew, tell tell us more more about you. I mean, I know who you are and what you do, but. There may be people who are listening who have no idea who you are and have never heard your funny name before. And today is the day they're going to remember as the day their life was ruined. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm from New Jersey, as you said. I'm, uh, I, I grew up in a, a Jewish household, have lived in New Jersey all my life, uh, was saved at uh, the age of 16 um, out in uh, – San Diego, California. Um, I'll be actually, uh, I'm going to give away my age now. Uh, I'll actually be celebrating 30 years of walking with the Lord this summer. Looking forward to that. And uh, so uh, it's it's been a, a journey where the Lord has taken me uh, from being a, a, a Jewish kid, being bar mitzvahed, to, uh, to pastoring at a Chinese church. And... Um, I don't speak Chinese. My wife is from Hong Kong, um, but uh, <laughs> you know I, I preach in English, and so um, the uh, we would basically uh, you know I, I've actually resigned from the Chinese church uh, a couple years ago and looking for another church to pastor, uh, which is a little bit difficult because I don't like the way that the modern church does, you know. Hiring pastors, you know, bring a guy in for a week that you don't know at all. And uh, at the Chinese church, I was actually there for two years before I became the pastor. And so I kind of think that's a more biblical model, but it makes it kind of hard. So I'm a little bit more uh, careful in where I send resumes. But uh, in the meantime, uh, what happened? What uh, when I resigned, a bunch of people started asking me to come and speak at at different churches and different places. And in that process. Um, you know, I started speaking and traveling, and uh, first two years uh, of doing that, I had been out 45 or uh, 48 and 45 weeks uh, a year, and realized that's not getting me good in being a good local church member. So we've kind of been cutting that back, which.
Uh, Striving Fraternity started by when I had done, I spent many years, 14 years of my life studying false religions, and I was going to put all that, since I had taught it as a Bible study in our Sunday school church, and actually at another church as well, started teaching that, and ended up uh, just wanting to put it in a book and realize no one's going to buy this book. Um, so I didn't feel like doing that. I just stuck, wanted to stick it on the internet for free. So that's that's how the website actually started. And then we started doing um, the Jersey Fire, which was an event where we tried to gather people together to go evangelize, uh, both a training, it's a conference training, and then you actually go out onto the streets and practice what you learn and you have hands-on training and so what happened was when I was still pastoring we started Jersey Fire and my church had had kind of put up the money but we really the church didn't want it to be to go through them since it wasn't really we didn't want it to be a church function we wanted to really just have this as something that a bunch of believers would get together and, and, and serve in this way and so it became something where we needed an organization to, to raise the money, and so we actually incorporated Striving for Eternity, and really that's all it had done at that point. And then when I resigned uh, from the pastor position, um, that day I started getting phone calls and emails asking me if I would speak at different churches. And so since we had an organization set up, uh, we then uh, incorporated as or, or filed for 501c3, and uh, and then had gone through that and got a, a board in place and whatnot and and made it into a speaking ministry, and it's really morphed from there into what it is today, which is really a, an online discipleship ministry. Well, even more than online because we do conferences, and, but it's really a disciple disciple making ministry. We don't do just evangelism or just apologetics or just Christian living or just family or just money. It's you know as many ministries kind of. As you probably see, there's ministries they do just one thing, and they're excellent at that one thing. But what ends up happening is people get out of, ba out of balance. They make everything about evangelism, or everything about you know my kids, or everything about whatever ministry that they're really tuned tuned into. And all these ministries are really good. It's just that we try to say these things are good, but let's bring balance to them, and that's really discipleship. Not just one area of life, but all of life. And so now what we do is we continue doing the the Jersey fire, but now it's it's spreaded, it's spread, and has become spreading the fire. And so we have one in New Jersey, we have one in Northern California, San Jose, and one in Ohio, which you've been at. Um, mm -hmm. And so we now have three. We're we're going to look to do eventually twelve of them uh, regionally, so that they're kind of small no more than 250 people and that way it's hands on you get to to be with the speakers earlier who who's going to be there what what are some of the speakers and you said the the main topic is, is the family we have we have uh, a couple speakers we have um Mark Spence, who you'd be familiar with from Living Waters. Um, we have Carl Kirby Jr., which many people are familiar with his father, Carl Kirby, who used to work at Answers in Genesis and is now with Reasons for Hope. But Carl Kirby Jr. 
is working basically like Answers in Genesis did for helping people realize that the how people were being indoctrinated through the school system and movies. What Carl Kirby Jr. is doing is looking at video games. We'll have uh, uh, Eric Cunin, who's a local pastor. Um, I actually don't know which topic he's going to be working on, but uh, I'm going to be dealing with the topic of marriage. Why is it here? And not to get too controversial, why is it that we Christians are against same-sex marriage? We, as with everything we try to do with this ministry, we don't want money to be an issue, and so we don't charge people to attend. We do a love offering there. Uh, it costs us, I don't know, forty or fifty dollars per person to put one of these on. We lose money at every one of them. Um, we do have ways where people can sponsor, even if they're not going. Uh, they can help sponsor, um, and and there's things on on our website, strivingforeternity.org or you can go to spreadingthefire.org and and find out about that. But basically, we don't want people to, to feel, oh, I can't afford to go. We've even, I don't know if I should say this on the air, but we've actually paid people's transportation so they can attend um, because we really, we really don't want that to be an issue for people. And if we can afford to do it, then we, we do those things. Well, that's good to know because gas prices are getting a little high down here in Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> come to the... Come Where where's the Ohio fire going to take place this year? Um, but we'll be witnessing in Ohio in downtown uh, Columbus. Okay, so now does someone need to uh, register for these events? They want to register because we do reach out to different ministries and say, hey, look, is there anything you want to give away in the resource? circles at all, they probably heard your name uh, pretty frequently lately. You've been on The Comfort Zone with Ray Comfort recently. I know you were just on G220 Radio with my friend Ricky Gantz this past week, and I'm sure you've been on other things. What happened that made you so uh, popular, or should I say infamous, uh, recently? Well, what, what, what you're referring to the incident at UConn. Um, we were uh, Scott Smith from Schoolmasters Ministries uh, puts together uh, two-week tours to the different colleges, Ivy League tours, and he goes to you know different universities to open air preach and share the gospel. And we were up at UConn. We were there for Monday and Tuesday of last week, and. Preaching as we do, um, nobody, there wasn't anybody being called out because of ethnicity or uh, sexuality, as is being claimed now. But uh, basically what had happened was uh, uh, Scott at one point had said, you know, maybe some of you out here have been taught that uh, maybe some of you students or faculty have been taught that uh, you evolved from a monkey, and uh, prof a professor got up, and he actually is the professor of anthropology, so he, this is an area he teaches. He got up and ran over to Scott 
and started yelling, I did not evolve from a monkey, I evolved from an ape. And then he started waving his hand behind him saying, I don't have a tail. Um, it, it, it was kind of funny to see. Uh, I mean, we're kind of it, all it sounds like it. It, it sounds like this professor uh, literally went ape. Well, and that's that was the title. Uh, ChristianNews.net uh, actually had someone that was just, they happened to be there. Uh, someone that that works for them, and when the professor came running up, and, and we didn't know he was a professor at that point, but he, you know, as as we often do when we're open air preaching, we got video going. He's he's got his he you know, he had his camera going, and uh, he got video of the professor running up and and yelling at Scott. And uh, what happened next, though, what, what really got him upset was that Don Carnes. Uh, had a sign that said evolution is a lie, and that's really the issue that the professor took task with. Um, he started he and I guess Don, from what I've I've now learned, Don had a previous conversation with the professor, so I think Don actually knew he was a professor where I don't think the rest of us did. I know I didn't. Uh, some of the students had told me he was, and so what happened was was that he started yelling at Don uh, about evolution and. Uh, you know, Don was just saying, you know, just quote the full name of the book, sir. You know, Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of the Favored Races. And so he was making the point that, you know, Darwin is a racist. The professor took task with that. Um, now, if you go out and you do, you, you search on, you know, I think it's UConn professor goes ape, you see it. I don't know, maybe a two-minute video, and and I, for the record, I want to say this was the worst two minutes of what was about two and a half hours that he was out there with us. Okay, um, so that was the worst. But he he, you know, and I want to be fair with this because I don't want to, you know, make it seem like it's worse than it is and things like that. But uh, at one point, Don, because the, the guy was yelling, Don wanted to use a softer voice, so he got closer to the professor to have a softer voice to kind of, you know, a soft voice turns away wrath. The, the right. professor seemed very angry, and so he, he, he kind of leaned in. And from what I understand, the professor's perspective was that he kind of just pushed Don back because he, he felt his space was being invaded. Um, and it, it, people keep saying, oh, it's assault. Uh, you know, Don doesn't think it was an assault. He, he was just he, – he put his hands – he did have his hands closed in a fist and put them on the sign, and, and Don kind of backed up. And then Don started backing up as, as the professor started yelling at him, and it, it looks really, really bad. It's not as bad as it looks, but the professor was uh, – where, where I really, I guess, felt offensive was – was when he started uh, saying, have you accepted Darwin as your Lord and Savior? I mean, just mocking the work that Jesus did on the cross. And that, that had really offended me. Um, mm -hmm. And so, but what he ended up doing was kind of walking out and gathering a couple of students. And the, I mean, the students that I was actually at the time sitting on, you know, sitting on the side. And when he went running up, some students were like, I think that guy's going to go hit the preacher. And so they all kind of ran up. And so there were a couple of people now that were there. And so he gathered those couple of people to himself. He started preaching a message of Darwinism. Uh, and you can see some of that on that, the video clip. Uh, but then what I, I then got into a conversation with him, and, and on our site we do have a um, 
a, a video where you see some of my exchange with him. And if you're familiar with Greg Kokel's book, Tactics, you'll see that this professor was a steamroller. And I actually practiced the tactic for dealing with the steamroller by asking for fairness in dialogue uh, when he talks over me and doesn't allow for fairness, then shaming him, using the crowd to shame him. And you'll actually see in the video where he gets the crowd to try to drown me out. He gets them to try to say, you know, because what happened was I said, you know, you were, you, you're asking me questions and you're not letting me answer them. You're talking over me. You, you're going on for 20 minutes. He went for 20 minutes and says, some of you are going to be asking, you're going to say, or he says, Andrew's going to say, I'm, I haven't answered his question. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to say that because you haven't. And he goes on for five more minutes. So I said, you know, are you ever going to let me respond? And so he started basically saying no. So I just said, well, you know, you're being very rude. You're talking over me. And the crowd clapped. Um, wow. There were, there's actually a, a couple of people he thought was were with us because these students who professed to be agnostic pointed out to him many times in the dialogue that he was being rude. And, you know, and so he thought they were with us. Um, and so when, when I had done that and he was, I, I think, embarrassed by that, which is what you're doing with a steamroller. You're shaming them to kind of embarrass them so that you can have a fair dialogue. Uh, he then tried getting the crowd to say, shut up, Andrew. Shut up, Andrew. Shut up, Andrew. And then they all stopped. I mean, he couldn't get enough students to continue doing it. And so that kind of ended. And uh, eventually he started talking with a smaller group of students off to the side. The crowd actually had built, I mean, you know, I'm thinking like 100, 150 people. Some came and left, but large number of people that were, were there. He was off on the side talking uh, to a smaller group of people, and that allowed me to share the gospel to all these people. Uh, and then once he came back into the crowd says, well, I want my time now, I said, okay. I walked out of the crowd. About a dozen or so students came after me to talk to me, and then the crowd just dispersed within seconds. Um, hmm. And then he started talking to four or five students. I talked to you know twelve or so that you know slowly you know diminished, and then he came over and we dialogued. We exchanged emails. Um, we I, I invited him to dinner. I've I've told him that I'll take him to dinner. I'll let him share what's what's on his heart, what's his views. Uh, he and I have exchanged many emails since then. Um, you know, and I know this is a topic. There's a lot of people have differing views. Um, there's some people that feel that he should have to resign, and I understand that some of them feel that way because UConn, uh, from what I understand, the president of UConn forced a coach to resign because he said Jesus should be in our huddles, and so people are saying, "Look, this is this isn't fair. It's it's not consistent," um, and. You know, I want to be consistent. I don't think that UConn should have forced uh, the coach to resign over that, and therefore I don't think that they should force him to resign over this. You know, this professor. Um, I, I don't. You know, do I think the behavior was appropriate? No. He he's he's claiming now that um, what he was doing was an act. Um, you know, and I think I really think what's happened is. You know, he he may have gotten in trouble. He's he's unfortunately he's not taking responsibility for his own actions. He's trying to excuse it. He's now trying to blame uh, Scott and saying that Scott was uh, condemning a 
you know, uh, a gay person to hell, which Scott doesn't even, you know, that's not the way Scott speaks. Um, Scott doesn't really want to deal with people that, I mean, people bring that topic up just because they want to, they want to get that to be an issue. And, you know, Scott and I don't really deal with that issue. We, we, we talk, deal with it as a sin issue. And right. all sinners are going to be punished by God. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's claiming that we were saying that uh, every all the students and faculty are sinners, but we aren't. Um, and so, um, you know, I think it's interesting that the uh, professor would turn Darwinism into a religion, uh, you know, attempting to mock Christianity. But that just that that essentially proves. The, the truth behind Darwinism and evolution, it is a religion, a religion of humanism and atheism. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that, that that proves it because he was doing that as a mockery, which, you know, even with that, I mean, if the guy's putting on an act like he says, okay, uh, even if he is, that doesn't excuse the behavior unless everyone there knew it was an act. And right. we clearly didn't. Um, so the thing that you have to take into account is if if he's if he's saying he's trying to argue that well these preachers their behavior was bad, so you acted worse. I mean we weren't getting in anyone's face. Um, at one point he actually got in my face and started you know yelling in Polish. I didn't even know. I, I actually backed up because I was like, what is this? <laughs> um, but you know, it, it was a thing where he's he's trying to say he's trying to blame Scott uh, and and Scott's preaching for what got him upset. But you know, we were there for two hours. Not once did he mention anything of defending the students. He was defending evolution. Mm-hmm. And then after students talked to him privately, uh, two of the students were two of the ones that kept talking about um, the fact that. They, they, you know, he was being rude in the conversation. I think he then came over real. I think, I, you know, I think it, it, you know, it came over to me, and, and that was the first that I heard him say that he he felt he had to defend students because we were saying they were going to hell. Nothing about sexuality, nothing about ethnicity at that point. Uh, the next day, it was that, you know, we were uh, condemning people uh, uh, supposedly for sexuality and ethnicity, uh, and I and I said, you know. I actually have a video of him pointing at a student, and you can see the students embarrassed uh, over the student's ethnicity. Uh, so he wanted to make a point of evolution, and uh, picked on the student based on ethnicity. Um, but we didn't do that. And you know, by the by, two days after the incident, he was now saying that we were calling people sodomites, which none of us use that language. Um, and so, you know, things like that. And so it's, uh, you know, I th- it sounds like he's ran into the Westboro Baptist people well, previously. Westboro Baptist was, I don't know if they were at UConn, but when we went to Yale, we found out that they were there the week before. So it, it could be. I mean, these universities get a lot of preachers and a lot of bad preachers. Okay. And I understand that. And, and when we open air preach, we are going to like it or not, it's guilt by association. Um, Unfortunately, we can't police the open air preachers to you know say sorry you don't preach well you can't do it but 
Um, we need to go, go out of our way to make sure that we're preaching in such a way that it's very different than everyone else so that they can mm -hmm. they notice that difference all right and and that's the thing um, you know I tend to think that we do that but uh, the professor I don't think you know recognized that I think he was taking things that students were saying of other preachers that have been on campus and and I think they've, they've they were applying it to us um, so there is some of that um, and, and I, I'm in conversation with the professor to say let's you know let's try to rectify this in a, in a, in a good way to show that you know there's misconceptions on either side he says he was acting we didn't take it as acting we took it as heckling I I, I think the thing I found in me was the the mockery of Christ I mean uh, as I as I shared with him in emails privately um, you know I asked him if someone mocked your wife publicly would you think it's funny and he said right. of course not I said well I love Christ who, who died in my place and paid the eternal fine for me far more than I love even my own wife so so mocking him in public to me is a greater offense than mocking my wife and and if his argument is we you know if his thinking was he's defending students if you think something's wrong you don't do that worse. I mean, if he thinks we're we were offending students, so you're going to offend us, and and he's you know be proud of that. Um, I think the thing is is that you know there's this notion where people are, and I tried to communicate this to him. People are offended by the gospel because everyone knows God exists, and many people suppress that. And when the light shines, it the people that are suppressing it, it, it's a blinding thing, and they just want it suppressed. They want it stopped. I mean, the the thing I always say to people, if if I don't like jazz music, and someone's out there in public playing jazz music, I don't yell at the guy to stop. I keep walking. If people don't like the message of the gospel, why is it? that they want it silenced mm -hmm. because they don't like it no because it's true and they're suppressing it that's what upsets people and and just because it offends the question isn't whether it offends I me mean, he's he was trying to argue that you know we were wrong because people were offended I said well what if it's true it doesn't matter I said well then you can't grade any student and give him a grade that he would think offensive if a student doesn't want to hear that they're wrong, by that thinking, you can't t correct. That's a good point. So, Andrew, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the show. We're running out of time. Andrew. Sorry, the Spreading the Fire conferences. They can get all of it from uh, strivingforeternity.org. Eleventh and twelfth, and NorCal Fire in San Jose area, California is September. Andrew, before we go, sure. Stolen, 
um, <clears throat> we have, by God's standard, God's standard being so high <clears throat> that he looks at our heart, not just our actions. And where many people think my heart, God knows my heart, God does know our heart, and that's the scary thing. He says if we even look with someone with anger, we've committed murder of the heart. If we look at someone with lust, we've committed adultery of the heart. He is going to judge our heart, and that makes it even worse. I've broken all ten of the Ten Commandments by God's standard. And so by that, we'd be guilty. Being guilty, we would deserve eternity in a lake of fire. Now, that seems strange for some people. You mean if I tell one lie, I've got to spend eternity in, in a lake of fire? Yes. If, if you threaten my life, the police are going to tell you to stay away from me. If you threaten the President of the United States' life, you're going to jail. The threat was the same. The difference was who you offended. And the president is far more important than me. Well, God is infinitely holy, and because of who he is, the offense is even greater, and it carries an eternal offense. And so because of that, people would have to spend eternity in a lake of fire. But God made a way of escape. God himself, being an eternal being, came to earth as a man. Being a man, he could pay a fine for men. Being God, he can pay an eternal fine. So he came to earth, never broke any of the law, died on a cross. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, died on a cross as a payment for sin. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And by turning from trusting ourselves and our good works and turning to trusting in Christ alone and his work on the cross, we can have everlasting life. Want to hear the rest of the interview? Go to witnesstalkradio.org. Until next week, the fields are ripe for the harvest, so what are you waiting for? Get out there and share your faith. May God bless you.